Hallelujah. Over the years, you've been attending Christ Community Church. You've come here so that you can continue to grow as disciples of Jesus. It's my ministry to challenge and encourage you through the Word of God for you to follow Jesus in greater measures, to grow and increase in the stature of Christ in you, and that you would seek after Him. And, and through the Holy Spirit and the instruction in His Word, we would, we would be challenged to grow in our sanctification and, and grow in our strength and our witness for the Lord. This morning I have some challenging words for you. We're in a series on caring, how to care one for another. The reason we're in that study is because God gave our prophetic team uh, that word, a number of words for the year 2019, and out of that word we're studying because the Holy Spirit, I'm preparing you as a people. I mean, God's always got a reason for why we do what we do, and he's telling us to take care of each other, to learn how to care one for another, love one another just as I have loved you. And so this morning, I want to share with you how to have caring words. A couple weeks ago, we looked at having critical spirits. That's such a, 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 a negative to the real caring of the Lord if we're critical about everything in a then we, we, we looked at the compassion of Jesus and how to care through that heart of compassion. And today what I want to share with you is caring words. Probably the most powerful thing we can do is care one for another. And the way we do that most often is by our words, the language we use. You're very familiar with Proverbs 18.21. It says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So the power of the tongue has life and death. Now some people take this verse too far, and some people take this verse and say, oh, if you say I'm sick, you're going to die. You're just going to die. You spoke that over your life, you're going to die. Uh, that's not what this proverb is. A proverb is a wisdom saying. It's not a declaration of fact. It is what is wise. And so there's life and death in the tongue in the sense that when you are critical, when you are negative to people, you're putting to death their reputation as well as your own. And when you speak edification, exhortation, and comfort, you're speaking life. You're giving life to their spirit, life to their soul. There's a lot of death talk in the air today. How many of you know that? Look, at if, if just by someone saying negative things against us, we should all be dead because there's a lot of people who hate Christians. All right, so it's not magic it's not voodoo. We're not talking about that. It's talking about life into people. Now, you can will yourself to death. I mean, if you have a sickness and disease and you say, oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, if that's your will, you can will yourself there. But it's not the words as if it's some kind of incantation that's going to happen. But what this is saying is that the tongue has the power of life and death. Societies fall and rise over the issue of what we speak. Ideologies are what form nations and countries. The words of Lenin and Marx created communism. Right. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? There's life and death in the power of thoughts and what we express and how we express them. We're in a war, a culture war in this nation as to what is morally right and wrong. Which is interesting because a nation who stand and tell and criticize people uh, on a basis of morality who have no transcendent reality. It doesn't make sense. This proverb says, those who love it, love what? The principle of your words having power will eat its fruit. The Amplified says this, those who indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. That's what the second half of the statement means. If you understand the power of words, you use that and you'll reap the fruit of it. You ever meet a good salesman? Right? These people love the power of words. Yeah. Right? People who know how to use the power of words. Well, Christians should love the Word of God for its power to give life to people. To express life. They've done so many studies from teachers to students that they say when teachers would put a hand on a student and speak life or speak goodness or blessing to that child, that child flourishes. How many of you had a, a mentor or someone in your life that spoke well into your life, that encouraged you, a piano teacher or a coach or somebody, that spoke life to you? This world is craving life, and if as Christians we should love the power of the tongue. That's why God wants to bridle that tongue. James says it's the most unruly member of the body. It can be on fired flames of hell, or it could bring cooling, soothing water. And so we need to speak life to people and begin to care through our words and watch what we say, how many of you know this saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Sometimes it's said, but names can never hurt me. We call out names. Bullying is such an issue. And it's not in junior high and high school only. There's bull bullying going on all over Facebook and Twitter and right Instagram. I mean, there's bullying nonstop on the radio. You hear this constant bullying. We no longer have debates and discussions based on ideology and evidence. We just rip on each other for being stupid for the thoughts you have. I would rather have sticks and stones, to be honest with you. That heals much quicker than the pain that many words have inflicted. I take these illustrations and they're offensive, but I want you to get a mental picture of what words can do. Many of you have been abused by the words people have spoken, by being yelled at, by being shouted at. Some of you live in a house where this stuff goes on. It's the power of a tongue to offend and to bring death to our soul. Uh, Paul talks about parents and the way we're not supposed to frustrate our children. We're not supposed to bring them into such a place where we call them words of death and they begin to take that on. It's offensive what our culture and what our society is doing with words now. 
And, and as the church, we cannot, as representatives of the Word of God, speak like this. Even about our enemies. Come on, some of you. Get with it on Facebook, some of the things you're posting. Because you're right about it, you think you have the right to shove it down someone's throat. I don't read Facebook because people tell me how offended I would be if I read some of the posts. I would be so downhearted and disappointed in my ministry being so ineffective. That only begins to help me understand how Jesus must feel. While we, as James says, we speak forth the living water and have salt water coming out. A fountain can't have both, right? So we've got to be careful as the people of God with our words. Do you know how powerful words are? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word came and taught us who the Father was. The Word demonstrated that love by hanging on the cross. The Word spoke, it is finished, and that Word speaks of salvation to all mankind. And so we are the people who hold the Word. We bear the Word of Christ Jesus who says to all, I love you, I died for you, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden with sin, I'll give you rest. We don't like them because they don't like us. Jesus said, of course they won't like you. They didn't like me. But speak grace and love to a world. There's a famous story that, about our, uh, that a rabbi tells that a, a man had uh, spoken against this rabbi's reputation in the village and in the town and was making things up because he was mad at the rabbi and he spoke the basic lies and slandered his name as he went out and, and uh, the man was confronted by the rabbi and, and he confessed that it was true and wanted repentance and he said, what should I do? And the rabbi said, I need you to take a feather pillow and I want you to go out to the town square. And he said, I want you to rip open that feather pillow and open it up. And the wind came and took all the feathers. And he came back and he said, Rabbi, I've done what you told me to do. And the rabbi said, okay, you're not done yet. He said, now I want you to go and gather every feather that left that pillow. And rabbi, I can't do that. How am I going to collect every feather that the wind has blown? And he says, so it is with your words. You can't take back the fire that you've started against my reputation. And so how can we do this? We speak against this group, we speak against that group, and the key here is, yes, they're in error, and yes, they're wrong, but can we correct them and still love them so that we can win them to Jesus? based on our insecurities that we have trouble doing that. Jesus says this, for by your words you will be justified or judged, and by your words you will be condemned. So let's take a poll. Yeah. So since last Monday, just ask Holy Spirit, did I slander anyone since last Monday? Did I speak ill of someone? Did I damage someone's reputation? 
And, and we have to begin to recognize that there is a spirit of holiness within us giving us breath and giving us decisions and choices. And so are we trying to live as best we can for Jesus but not guarding our mouths? Our words have got to begin bringing life. I believe so strongly that if we would begin to guard our words, the atmosphere in our home would change. The way we speak. You see, it's how you speak when you're by yourself. What's generated in your heart? Don't give it fruit out of the lips. Let the Holy Spirit capture it while it's still in your heart and cover it. Amen? James says this, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this not ought to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? No, there's a different source. The spring water comes up from wells that are clean and pure of water. That's the Holy Spirit in us. Salt water comes from an ocean, from a dead sea in that region that kills the fish and kills everything growing and living in it. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be so careful. And care with our words. So God would have us pay attention to that. I like what... uh, I've been reading rabbinical words, so I like what another rabbi said. He said this, The evil tongue slays three. The slanderer, the slandered, and the listener. Huh? How many of you ever see that in front of movies? Uh, uh, what, what do they say that duplication is a crime? What, what is that? I, I always, what is that? Yeah, copyright laws. To copy this is a crime and it's harmful. And I always ask, well, who does this harm? Not that I copy. But they, they, they present that as, as, as like if you do this, someone's going to die. You know, it's really harmful. That's a warning. This is a warning. You know, there are really three things that, that this goes beyond just your opinion. Sure, we can have opinions. But do you know that if we begin to voice our opinion, that, that we will be judged by God for this, for the fruit that we're putting out there? I read you the verse from Matthew. It'll justify you or condemn you. I need to get this thing under the blood. And so it, 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 it affects me by slandering someone. It affects the person I'm speaking against. And it also affects those who are listening to me. Right? Many times, how many of you as parents didn't realize your kids were listening to you? You hear them repeat words. Where did you hear that? Oops. Right? So we have the power to generate. The power to generate words sets us apart from every other being and thing on this planet. The power to generate words. Now we have to choose life. Choose life. Choose to speak words that care. All too often we criticize others with harsh, offensive words 
We turn disputes into quarrels. We belittle or humiliate others and inflict wounds that can last a lifetime. We need to be so careful of this. Let me take you through the quality of some of our words that we speak. Now, how many of you have ever done this? How many of you have ever offended someone unintentionally? Right, it's called putting your foot in your mouth. You ever, you ever do that? Yeah. Unintentionally. Uh, when I was a kid, this reminds me of, of me when I was a kid in the sense that I like to joke around. And I would be the kid that when it snowed out, I'd make a snowball, and as someone was walking away, and I would throw it, I wanted to hit him in the back. And I'd be the one who would throw it, and they'd turn around, and it would hit him right in the face. True story happened to me. And the parents came to my parents and said, your kid threw an ice ball in my daughter's face. I didn't mean it. I was trying to hit her in the back, and I hit her in the face. I didn't mean it at all. I began to realize that I don't have a very good aim. (laughs) So when I was going to get that snowball and throw it, I decided not to do it because my aim was just not that good. How many of you have ever loved to make cap, you know, they call capping one another. You make these statements, hey, 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 right? Hey, have you stopped beating your wife? (laughs) And you found out that he used to. You know, you're just joking around saying silly, stupid things. Are you pregnant? (laughs) Yeah, you ever done that? Don't say it if you don't know. (laughs) Some of you understand exactly what. So how many of you have said things you just didn't mean to say, and man, it just went the wrong way? Okay, so don't say it. We have really got to be careful. Unintentional words. Be careful with your jokes. You think it's funny. It's really not. I heard my wife's laugh. I heard that. I heard that. (laughs) All right, how about this? Opinions. Hey, I have have a right to my opinion. Good for you. Keep it to yourself. (laughs) If it's an opinion expressed in a way that is offensive, Ah, but it's true. Oh, great, okay, it's true. Then we're going to start talking to you the way you talk to others. And you're typically offended by someone blasting out something at you. I mean, you had every good intention. So our opinions. This, again, is my discussion for this morning for repentance on blogs, texts, Facebook, and Instagram. Some of you can't stand this president. Some of you think he is God's anointed one. And so you have an opinion. And you can freely share your opinion, right? But when you share your opinion to denigrate someone else and to say that this group of people is that and this, are you really caring Are you really trying to express the truth or are you just walking to try to offend or trying to push back and trying to fight? Come on. We're the people of God. Speak the truth in love. Well, see, some people feel if I'm just speaking the truth, that's loving. 
Now, you know what? Love means for the benefit and the well-being of someone else. You can disagree with someone, but do it in a way that cares. Don't wipe out a whole group of people. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit, I, I, the level of prejudice among us is outrageous. But we're here, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Bless God, bless God. But in our hearts, the level of prejudice, whether it's concerning skin color or whether it's concerning economic status or whether it's concerning political affiliation, we're getting swept up in this nation's hate speech. And we're fighting it on the same ground level. And that is so wrong. It's such a failure of walking in Christ. So let's pay attention, please. Have your opinions, but express them through wisdom. We're also, and we covered a whole week on this, critical and judgmental. James says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And we would say, oh, no, no, I'm not speaking evil, I'm speaking truth. The word for evil here means bad things. Don't speak bad things about each other. Yeah, he's a nice guy, but you know what he does? That's speaking wrong things. It's speaking negatively about people. Now, we can call people out for their sin and do that, but do it in a way that's going to restore a brother or identify the issue. We've got to be so careful with this. Titus chapter 3, verse 2 says this, to speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Oh, that's just being a marshmallow Christian. How am I supposed to defend the gospel against everybody that's calling me a hater? Oh, okay, well then, let's not do that. Let's speak evil of people. Let's make sure we're quarreling. Let's not be gentle. And let's not be courteous towards others. That one works. That flows with my attitude. But it's not about your attitude. Do we comprehend the responsibility we have taking the name of Jesus? The concept of taking the name of Christ in vain is not simply blurting out his name as a curse word. It goes deeper than that. It means taking on the identification as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and living it in a vain manner. So the proof text of us being written epistles is what comes out of our mouths. That's the fruit of our lips. And the fruit of our lips reveals the roots of our heart. And so we're speaking out of flesh much too much. We're being trapped by an enemy who stirs our flesh to get mad at certain things. Of course we should be angry. Yes, be angry. But sin not. This is tricky business, isn't it? This is tricky stuff. That's why we have to stay in the Lord. Oh, did I remind you that your words will condemn you or will reward you in the presence of Jesus? Did I say that once? I think I've said it twice. I'm going to say it a third time. This is serious. Oh, grace covers everything. Hallelujah. Grace covers it all. Grace covers it all. You heard what wood, hay, and stubble does in the fire of the glory of God. 
and we will suffer loss. There is suffering in heaven. It will be for a moment, but it will be when you watch what you did with your words to affect other people. You will suffer the loss when you recognize and see. I don't know, is there going to be a big screen that we're all going to watch? Oh, Lord Jesus, I hope not. I don't know how it's going to go. Maybe it's between he and I. I hope so. (laughs) But to stand before him and suffer loss when you recognize and remember when the Spirit said, don't say it, don't push enter, don't send it, don't say to the other person, and you felt justified to do it. And oh, if you could take it back like the feathers in that pillow. Oh, I need to repent. I don't know about you. What about this? Crude words. Oh, it's all right. Would you guys mind if I use the F-bomb in a sermon? I mean, it's like, so, it's, it's, there's no restriction on TV now or on the radio or anything else, right? So, and come on, how about you? How often do you use it? Oh, pastor, I never do. All right, no crude words from you. I don't use that word. I find it highly offensive. I find all curse words highly offensive. I'm very, very careful. I was raised in a home where our family never cursed. Thank God. Some of you were raised in a home where it was filthy. And I know this at at work where I used to work. You know, you heard it all day long. I never grew up with it. But it was resonated in my soul so that it came into my head. I don't even say these words. Why is it showing up on my radar? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? These crude words, and so we try to justify and say, well, they're just words for our culture in China. That doesn't mean that. In Asia, it's just words. But see, Scripture knows that every human language has crude words. In Ephesians 5, 4, it says, let there be no filthiness, dirty words, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, (laughs) listen to this one which are out of place instead let there be thanksgiving you know this gets me it's as if this bible is telling me what to say and when to say it seems to be the holy spirit's kind of policing my words why because there's life and death in what we're saying We're polluting the atmosphere, and oh, the enemy loves it. Join in the chorus. Sing with me every crude thing you can. Bring me your offenses and speak them out. Slander others. The enemy loves it. He loves it. Oh, God help us. Hate speech. This is a popular term, isn't it? Hate speech. We're accused of hate speech all the time because we speak the word of God. I've been accused, I've been yelled at as a hater. You're a hater. I've been in situations, I've told you about them, where I've, I've spoken in places and, and went to the state capitol, went to the courthouse down in Detroit, and when we were trying to make sure that the same-sex marriage thing didn't pass, and I was out there on the streets and this and that, and I heard some woman preacher Uh, say that Jesus was probably gay because you saw how John was laying on his chest and he was stroking his hair and this and that. 
And she finished her interview, and I went up to her, and I, and I said, could I ask you a question? And she turned to me and said, hater, you're a hater. I said, you don't know me. I just had a question. I thought I heard you say, I'm not talking to you, hater. You're a hater. And I was shut down like that. I just want to have a discussion. I'm not calling you any names. But all of you sitting in this room are haters if you believe the word of God according to our culture today. You're a hater. You have hate speech. And so if you say homosexuality is a sin, you're a hater. And you have hate speech, and you're not going to be able to express that. Now, I can say that it's a sin and love the homosexual. I can understand their suffering, their pain. I can understand they can love another person. Totally get it. You can love the same sex. Yes, it's when you cross a line sexually that something's wrong. Biblically, I can express that. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to speak in such a way that would denigrate their character. Because Jesus loves that man or Jesus loves that woman and I have to somehow speak care to them, though speak and hold the ground of what is true in the word of God. So can we speak in a culture and climate of hate speech where we hold our ground but show the love of Jesus to those who are offended by us? We must. We're called to it. That's tricky. But we get caught in and swept into this. We must be careful. We listen to the propaganda. Most of us are brainwashed by our culture's propaganda. If you don't believe that, you are fooling yourself. 24-7. We've got fake news, right? And fake news. There's fake news and fake news. Most of it's just all fake. Because most of it's being run by people who are not saved. There's no heavenly perspective on it. And we've got to be careful of this. We've really got to be careful. So what do we do with hate speech? What is hate speech? Hate speech is choosing to damage or harm another person by what we say. But it's true, pastor. It's true. They're going to go to hell. Yes, that's true. But how do you say it in a way? to where it will captivate their soul. So we speak the truth, but we give love in how we're speaking. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to receive it. That's fine, okay. But the minute you begin to come against someone's character, the minute you begin to say, you know what, you're an idiot. Oh, you've won that debate. That's the new level of debate. You're a hater. You're a jerk. You're an idiot. You believe that? Oh, does that prove your point? No, it offends. All right, so that gets us nowhere. So we've got to be really, really careful. And hate speech directs towards a group of people, an identity. You can't do that. You used to be lumped in with people, but you know that you're an individual. How many of you are offended when you see Christians really, really mess up and then everybody says, that's how Christians are? You go, no, that's not. So how can we lump others in the same manner? We can't. What we do with hate speech is, is we use what's called thick concepts. Thick concepts are certain words that are descriptive and evaluative. They evaluate the person and describe a people group. They're thick words. So um, uh, 
A thin word is to say, uh, hey, do you know Pete? Yeah, he's a nice guy. What does nice mean? He's a nice guy. That means he's really attractive. Uh, he's a nice guy. He, uh, if you need two bucks, he'll give it to you. You know, there's not much dimension to that. You, I guess he's nice. But what if you begin to use a, a thick word like courageous? He's courageous. That has dimension to it. That says the quality is he'll do things that are beyond what other people will not do in an, uh, a valued way, in an honorable way. You can count on him and he'll stand. And So it's a thick word, right? Uh, an, another thick word we have is genuine. He is genuine. She is a genuine person. That means that if they're genuine, you're going to get what you expect from them. What they say to you, you'll uh, know is who they are, the same yesterday, today, and hopefully tomorrow. They're genuine. They're true. They're altruistic, and uh, you can count on them. Right? You see that, what I mean about a thick word? Now, you, you, we, we should speak these about each other. Begin to think descriptive words about each other and speak that. It edifies. But you can also use thick words against people. Loser. What does loser come up? What, what's the thickness to that? Probably stupid, dumb, doesn't know how to get along in life, sloppy, messy. Just a jerk. Doesn't it? When I said, do you feel the weight of those words? How many of you have been called things in your past? So to say these words, how many of you, you can feel that? How many of you know that some of the sores and wounds are still there? And how many of you know that the enemy knows where your wounds are? So if he can get someone along the road to say the very word that offended and hurt you before, he's just scored big on you. I don't want to give him, I don't want the devil in my mouth. Skanky. I was trying to think of words. I, I, <laughs> you know, what, what are some of the thoughts on that? Just dirty, filthy, crude, rude, right? See what I mean by thick concepts? How many of us use thick concepts in a negative way? And I wanted to bring this up so that we would begin to account for our words. You know, at the end of the day, a cashier has to pull out her tray and count the money. Cash it out, right? Make sure that this amount is right. Just didn't get ripped off and didn't, right? How many of us will cash out at the end of the day with the words that we've used? And consider that. Paul says this in Colossians 4, Let your conversation be always full of of grace. Do you think Jesus cares about words? Have I given you enough scripture yet on what we shouldn't say and how, what we should say? Do you think words matter? Because if we're going to represent the word, words matter. Let your conversation be sometimes. Let your conversation when you're with people you like be full of no, wait a minute, I said that wrong. Let your conversation be what? Always. Always. Sort of. No, full. Somebody define full. 
Let your conversation always be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Do you understand what this is? This is in reply to the people who are calling you names. This is in reply to the people who are speaking ill of you. This isn't to your friends, although please do it with your friends too. This is for everyone and anyone who even speaks against you. Well, well, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to win the argument? It's not about winning the argument. I'll tell you how you win the argument. Look at if you respond back to them in the same attitude they gave to you and in the same spirit, you're at a tie and on the same ground they are. You want to speak over? You want to win? You speak in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because his word will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. You speak with grace and that's going to linger in that person's heart and soul. They may think they chewed you up and spit you out, but at night that word just roots in and the grace begins to season and that salt begins to minister. Speak above. Don't get even. Grace. Why is it seasoned with salt? Because in the Old Testament, every sacrifice that was given on the altar of God, the high priest was to take salt and put it on that burning sacrifice. Why? Because God spoke in the Old Testament and said, the salt represents my grace in covenant. So when we speak, we must speak the covenant language of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they say. I close with this. Ephesians 4.39 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister what? Grace. Grace unto its hearers. Grace. Grace. You have to say something, Kevin. Okay. All right, if you didn't hear that, it's an illustration of two basketball teams going back and forth. Basket to basket, basket to basket, even score, even score for an entire period, even score. And Kim said, Lord, why, why doesn't someone just slam dunk this thing, get it over? And she heard the Lord say, they're not hungry enough. They're just playing the game. They're not pushing hard enough. And that is a good way to close this teaching today. Do we care enough for the grace of God? Are we representing Christ enough or are we just playing the game of life? Are we just getting by? Is it us and them, us and them? Or is it Christ over all? And so let us speak caring words. I've shared enough Scripture with all of us that I think we're all convicted. And I think we need to repent.
Now, what repentance means is to change our thinking, to change the way we're presenting ourselves. I am hoping that you will go home and review your Facebook posts and your, what you say on Instagram and what you're putting out there and evaluate it under the Holy Spirit's eyes and guidance. Is this edifying? Is it grace? Begin to consider your words and season them with the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads. Father God,